When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Podcast. What is up, College Across fans? You're watching episode 136 of the Lax Factor Podcast. Today, we're going to switch it up. Instead of previewing all of the games for this weekend, we're going to hold that until Saturday morning's uh, live stream. And today, we're going to recap the games that we didn't get to talk about from the weekend. We had Sunday games, uh, seeing Army at Virginia and then uh, Loyola at Richmond. And then yesterday, we got an incredible game out of High Point visiting North Carolina in a game that wasn't supposed to happen, but we're all glad that it did. So we'll talk about that one first and then the others. Before I get into this, as always, be sure to like, subscribe, Hit the notification bell uh, so you're notified when we put out videos. If you're an audio listener, share the podcast with your friends. And as always, you can go to laxfactor.com and get yourself some swag, hats, t-shirts. I got a hat on today. We've got coffee mugs. Today, I'm rocking Vintage Lax brand here. So uh, be sure to go check out Vintage Lax brand or Vintage Lacrosse brand on Instagram and wherever else you can find the guy. Uh, Awesome stuff out of him, but I figured I'd buy and rep a hoodie here today. So, all right, let's talk about some lacrosse here. First game I want to talk about is yesterday's game because it was actually an incredible game. We got a little bit more insight into North Carolina and a little bit, uh, I I wouldn't call it a weakness, but maybe a strategy to play them effectively overall that uh, High Point kind of tipped everybody off to. So we'll talk about that first. Uh, Final score, as everybody already knows, because it's not a surprise, 17-15, UNC does pull it out. In the first half of this game, though, North Carolina got a taste of their own medicine. High Point jumped out to a 4-1 lead early and then held at least a two-goal lead through a chunk of the first quarter. They came out playing aggressive. I think they took a 3-1 lead and then a 4-1 lead. Uh, uh, UNC scored, and then at one point they were up 6-4, so they kind of went back and forth but held that two-goal lead. Uh, highlight high point got it going right away by breaking UNC's 10 man ride UNC's ride. The ACC is going to ride the crap out of teams across the board. Virginia's got an incredible ride. Uh, North Carolina's ride has been great. Syracuse's ride was tough last year. I expect that will continue as well. Notre Dame just plays good defense all over the field. So the ACC in terms of uh, wrecking people's clears, they're, they're doing their job. Uh, but High Point scored right off the bat, right off the 10-man ride. That was pretty awesome. High Point once again spread the scoring out. That's one of the keys here. Uh, Asher Nolting needs to get help from his teammates, and he's getting a ton of help over these first two games. The first six goals for High Point were six different goal scorers. Rogers, the D3 transfer, notched the first. Asher Nolting, the fourth. Devin Buckshot gave High Point a 6-4 lead early in the second quarter, and we're, we're seeing what we need to see out of the High Point supporting cast for Asher Nolting. They are helping him. They are creating their own offense, not relying on him to do so, and they look a lot better. Uh, Then UNC, they kind of went on a run. High Point had that 6-4 lead, and after that, the wheels came off badly for a little bit. Jacob Kelly scored back-to-back goals for the heels, and that knotted things up at 6. And then Tanner Cook gave UNC their first lead at 7-6, and Mr. Anderson piled on shortly after that. So, you know, the wheels came off the bus a little bit. UNC goes on a big run. They take a two-goal lead. Rogers scored to get High Point back within a goal. 
uh, late in the third. Uh, Rogers with that that uh, ginger flow that he was rocking while he was playing D three ball. He was a former D three player of the year, uh, but he looks really good for High Point. Number seventy seven, a midfielder. He got him back within a goal late in the third, but the wheels would come off even worse. After that, uh, uh, so Cook, Perry, Cook over a minute, and 11-second stretch, and then UNC held a 10-7 lead at the half. Rogers' goal wasn't in the third. It was in the um, late in the second. And then, yeah, Cook, Perry, Cook over a minute and 11 seconds, 10-7 UNC at the half. And then it just kept going after that. But first half keys for High Point, and why was High Point in this game where other teams have struggled against UNC, especially like Denver wasn't you know in the game at all? Uh, high point keeper, Antonio Arcona, he posted 13 saves over the course of that first half, eight of them in the first quarter. Kid was absolutely standing on his head, and UNC just kept – it was weird. You could tell UNC wasn't getting rattled, but to pretend that 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 UNC's shot sh- – UNC put a pu- bunch of shots up, and very few of them were on the cage, and I think that Arcona was kind of getting in those shooters' head. When a, a keeper is saving everything you're putting on him – you start trying to paint corners, and painting corners is a lot harder than just putting a ball past a goalie. So I think UNC was getting a little touchy you know, with their shots, trying to put them right where they needed to be to score on them, and that makes it hard, and you're naturally going to miss the cage a little bit more. Um, High Point turned the ball over four times in the first quarter. Uh, that was chilled out and didn't affect them as negatively because of the eight saves that Arcona put up. And then they had five uh, turnovers in the second quarter, but only three goalie saves or no, three less goalie saves over the course. They had five goalie saves in that in that uh, second quarter. So, you know, you turn the ball over a bunch and your goalie doesn't stand on his head quite as much in that second quarter, and that ends up being where North Carolina gets the lead back uh, for the half. High point played aggressive, got their shots on cage. That was one of the keys for offense. And then their offensive flow was smooth. Last year, high point was forcing Nolting way too much. He was turning the ball over a lot. He turned the ball over in the year – uh, in 2019 when when he put up you know 90 some points but he had 70 some turnovers last year he was on pace to put up as many turnovers as he had points and I think they were forcing the issue with him a little bit too much in this year they've looked aggressive comfortable they're attacking from all angles other guys are dodging and creating their own offense so that's that was huge in the first half and even in late in the second half for high point uh, up to that point in the first half for North Carolina, UNC seemed to slide a little bit less often. I've talked about how in their first couple of games, they were kind of automatically sliding and, and they were really working that team help defense strategy where a guy's dodging, we've got a guy ready to go. If it even looks like that guy might get beat, we're sending a slide and recovering everywhere else. And the benefit of that is you're always getting ready to go. You're always already in the slide package and everybody's on the same page. They did not seem to do that against High Point. They seem to stay home a little bit more. They seem to let their defenders kind of test those one-on-one matchups to see if they could win them. And, and early on, often they didn't. So I think we saw a little bit more out of North Carolina in this game defensively what we would typically see out of a Duke, a Syracuse, a Notre Dame where it's like, hey, let's put these poles on an island. Let's let them try to win their matchups. If they don't win their matchups, we will adjust and we know we can adjust and, and get some of those early goals back that we may give up. And it seemed that seemed to happen. UNC absolutely dominated the faceoffs. Uh, winning 17 of 17 uh, to three, 17 out of 20 over the first quarter. They won 30 out of 35 over the course of the game. That was absolutely insane. UNC shot the ball often, but they didn't seem to, uh, uh, they didn't, they just didn't get him on cage. And like I said, they took a ton of shots. 
Early on, they were, you know, putting him on cage and Arcona was making saves. As the game wore on, they started trying to paint corners and they got a little less accurate. But that onslaught just never stopped coming. They stayed calm and they just kept to their strategy, which is get a lot of looks. You know, we got 80 seconds to get as many looks as we can. Let's get looks. Let's get him on cage. And uh, they ended up doing so a little bit more effectively. And that that's going to be the big key, too, is the heels didn't play great in the first half and High Point played a really good game, but they were good enough to weather the storm. They never changed their game plan. They never started playing stupid lacrosse. They just kept at their game plan and it eventually paid off with a lead at the end of the second half or at the end of the first half. Second half, the onslaught from UNC continued. Chris Gray started the third quarter. Uh, run that he made the score 11 to 7 and that continued with him also scoring UNC's 15th goal to go up 15 to 7 so as I said the wheels for high point came off and as I was watching this as I was working through the day I was like oh that's the ball game and now UNC is going to put up 25 on high point but no you know, you uh, High Point ends up kind of scoring six, un- not kind of, they, they legitimately scored six unanswered. Once the score got to that 15-7, six unanswered. Asher Nolting had two goals and three dishes over that six-goal stretch. So this is where Nolting gets help early. It keeps High Point in it. When High Point starts struggling later in the game, Nolting says, hey, you know, I'll put you guys on my back and we're going to do the heavy lifting and we're going to get ourselves back into this ball game." And And he did that. They end up getting back to within 15-13, and, and then there's Dig bang, bang a couple of goals out. I think it was 15-13, then 17-13, then 17-15, and that's the ball game. But it was a hell of a game. Uh, High Point has tons of positives to take from this, trying to play number 2 North Carolina on the road in a game that they did not expect to play. High Point was supposed to play Bellarmine, as was UNC. Bellarmine ends up having a COVID issue. Hey, let's get together. The weird thing with this is that High Point played – Uh, had a scrimmage against North Carolina earlier in the year already, and they're going to play North Carolina again later in the year. So so by the end of this year, High Point North Carolina will have played each other or seen each other on a field three times. So that's interesting. UNC stats. Chris Gray. Continues his onslaught and and no not as no real flashy goals today out of Gray but hey he goes three goals four helpers that's huge Tanner Cook looked good three goals two helpers Jacob Kelly three and one William Perry three goals that's crazy and these guys sling the ball from outside the just. I cannot believe how many step-down shots they end up getting. They, they just dodge effectively from X and from the wings, get the ball out top to these shooters. And it's what I said in my preview of UNC, that why UNC's offense has changed, changed so dramatically since Chris Gray came into the fold is he can do everything. And while teams are trying to focus on this one guy that can do everything, when you have dudes who can just light it up from 12 to 15 yards all day, like you give a a UNC shooter a 15-yard shot with his hands free, that's trouble. That's not the case with every team you play. A lot of teams, you're happy to let guys take 15, 16, even 17-foot shots. UNC, you can't because they're just going to keep doing it over and over, and eventually they're going to get some of those in, and they're really adept at just kind of shelling up around that outside, waiting for that defense to shift, and they're finding seams out top, ripping rope all over. Will Bowen looked good again. He guarded Nolting most of the game, and uh, he had four cost turnovers, three ground balls. Colin Krieg in cage for UNC. He looked good, 10 saves, 15 goals against, but he had 11 saves in the first uh, second half. He played rough in the first half, barely any saves. Second half, 11 saves, and UNC ends up winning the game uh, by just enough. I was going to say win the game by a margin because you're up by four late, but, you know, high point chip back. 
High point stats. Asher Nolting, four goals, five helpers. He had an incredible game. And he, like I said, in that last stretch, that six goal stretch, two goals and three assists over that, over that stretch. So he literally put the team on his back and he's a lot bigger. In the telecast, they talked about the fact he put on some weight. It didn't look like it was all necessarily muscle. Some of it looked just looked like it could be a little bit of, you know, Cheetos playing video games on the couch during COVID. But the high point coach uh, said that he plays a lot better big, and you can tell he looks good. He's using that frame to just get himself on the field where he needs to be. Uh, so Asher Nolting's evolution as a player, just he just keeps evolving, keeps getting better, and his feeding is now right up there at the top. His dodging is right up there at the top. The kid is, is an incredible player. If you have not seen Asher Nolting play with your own eyeballs, High Point is always on ESPN, the, the, the entire SoCon conferences, and there's a lot of good teams. So get yourself an ESPN Plus subscription. That's pretty much a plug for them, uh, and I'll never see any money from it. But... Yeah, yeah. Ashton Olting, four goals, five helpers. Uh, Braden Maia, five goals. He had a hell of a game here. A very good off-ball guy. Scored a couple of man-up goals down low. Nolting hit him a couple of times on the crease. So that's going to be a connection we're going to see. Nolting to Maia, and he looked great. Kevin Rogers, the D3 transfer. Kid had the crazy red red locks while he was uh, playing D3 ball. And when he got to high point, he cut it all up. And now he looks all slick. But he looked like pretty much the dude from... Um, what's the show on Comedy Central? Workaholics for a little while while he was playing D3 ball. He goes for three goals and two assists. He looks really good as a Dodger from out top for them. Antonio Arcona, the high point goalie. Like I said, 18 saves versus 17 goals against. Just five saves in the second half, but didn't didn't get tested quite as much. That second half, he didn't play terrible. You still noticed him, and he still made some good saves. Just didn't stand on his head quite as much. You put up 18 saves, that's all you can ask from your keeper in a game like that. Now, game points. High Point's going to make a legit run at the SoCon. Richmond's really good as well. They did lose to Loyola, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But Rich, Richmond and High Point are right up there at the top, and you got to like Jacksonville and what they did and how they looked in their last game as well. So good things there. North Carolina is an offensive beast. First three games, 24 goals against Denver, 18 goals against Jacksonville, 17 goals against High Point. That's crazy. I want to dive into this, though, because we're, we're talking about these ACC teams are about to get into that plan. They're about to just all kill each other. So my super oversimplified scout on UNC is you can run with or beat UNC if you can, A, get 15-plus saves out of your goalie, and you, you, you see the teams in the ACC that are capable of maybe getting 15-plus saves out of their keepers. I would say Syracuse has a shot at that. Duke on any given day, if their goalie plays well, could. And, and Notre Dame playing this, the style of defense they could could help a goalie into 15 saves. So that's going to be key. Your goalie does need to stand on his head because he is going to get tested against UNC. B, win more than five out of 35 faceoffs. Uh, if you look at high point, if they could have won more possessions in this game, that absolutely would have changed the flow of how this went. But you lose 30 out of 35 faceoffs. That is not a, a winning recipe. And I don't think anyone in the ACC is going to fare that poorly against North Carolina at the faceoff dot. So that's another big thing for the ACC teams as they face UNC. C, defend the edges. Don't give UNC too many step-down shots. High Point did a good job of trying to keep those shots on the outside, and when their goalie was playing well, that strategy worked as he was coming up with saves on these outside shots. But you give them too many of those, and they're, if they're able to step down and put just tons of shots on cage, that is absolutely brutal. And then D is just play good help defense. You're going to have to play good help defense, but because of the fact that North Carolina ends up 
drawing a slide and then no one is better at hitting the the next guy down the line in the open man. You have to try to win your one-on-one matchups. And I think the teams in the ACC are going to be a little bit better suited. Their defenses are going to be a little bit battle-tested. They've got a little few more blue chippers when you're looking at their defensive roster. So that's going to be huge. Win those one-on-one matchups. Don't slide as often. And that may be why you see teams like Syracuse and Duke do those types of things early. They're really trying to improve those defenders so that by the time they get into the, 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 the bulk of their conference play, these guys are ready to win those matchups so that they don't have to constantly slide and send help and then get absolutely picked apart by North Carolina. It was a great game, though. So hats off to both of those teams for putting that together and making that happen. Both had that Bellarmine game canceled. They say, hey, who cares that we've already scrimmaged and we play each other later? Let's get another game in because they're both in North Carolina. All right, I'm going to get a drink here as we talk about the next game, Army at Virginia. And it was about the margin that I thought we would see. I was glad that Army actually looked better overall than I thought they would offensively. But first half, Matt Moore back in the lineup, so that was good to see. He scored early, just like Matt Moore does, bullied a guy up top, didn't look like he was going to be able to get a shot off, but as he's bullying the guy, pushes him off a little bit, and then hands-free, shot, score. UVA jumped out to an early lead, but Army keeper uh, Wyatt Schupler stood on his head again. We, we see the, the key to hanging with some of these really good ACC teams is have a goalie that stands on his head and puts up a boatload of saves between the pipes. Schupler stood on his head over the last end of the first quarter, helping Army to get back to 5-4. Virginia jumped out to an early lead. Schupler makes a bunch of big saves that end up turning into Army goals. So 5-4 by the end of the first. Army struggled badly, though, with turnovers over the course of the second quarter. Schupler would make a big save. Army would try to clear the ball, fail the clear. Virginia gets the ball back, and that allowed Virginia to gain three goals on him by halftime. So 8-4, and then the backbreaker was Cormier scoring with 1.1 seconds left in the second quarter. Gets the ball out back with 11 seconds left. Just kind of bullies his way into the front of the cage, gets an edge on his guy, scores a goal top middle. So that was brutal for Army. That hurt him because it would have been a lot better going into the half 7-4 versus 8-4 on a goal that got scored with one second left in the in the half. Third quarter, Army cleaned it up early. They traded goals with UVA. Schupler, Schupler uh, continued to play well. UVA's keeper was the story in the third quarter, though. Army cleaned it up. They got better offensive looks, and the kid made some big saves, the young keeper for UVA, that allowed UVA to separate even more despite Army, play, Army playing better overall. UVA, by the end, though, they were just too much. Army, you know, you can't hang. You can't continue to get stops against a team like UVA, just like uh, we talked about with High Point and, and UNC. And as UVA just gets more and more possessions, the odds just continue to work against you. So it was 12-6 by the end of the third quarter. Fourth quarter, once again, we start to see the ACC team, UVA, you know, extends their lead, and then the other team continues to battle back. It looked like UVA had continued to separate, scoring the first goal of the fourth and increasing their lead to 13-6, but then Army came out and scored some goals to get things back to within 13-8 to with seven minutes left. Army had a man-up chance to get it back to within 13-9, which would have been huge, but UVA's keeper made another big stop late, and then with a flag down nonetheless, and then Nick turn ripped one, another save. So 
Army's got a flag down. We got Army with a free possession. Scores 13-8. We can get ourselves to 13-9. But the goalie made just a huge save robbing Nick Turn with that man down on that free possession. And it just he just saved UV, uh, UVA's butt numerous times over the course of that fourth quarter. Overall, Army's defense really clamped down, though. So Schupler, he didn't put up as many saves in the second half as he did in the first. But that's partly because Army's defense overall just played a lot better, started figuring things out. Uh, UVA took a ridiculous number of shots in the first half and army greatly limited them in the second half and, and just did a much better job overall. Number 16 with two minutes left and army threatening took Nick turns candy. I don't know who number 16 is off the top of my head. Is that Kologi? I don't think it's Kologi, uh, but I did put in my notes that that was a big one because it's 13, nine with two minutes left in the game. You know, army can get back to within three and that kid took Nick turns candy after he scored, I don't know. That note doesn't make any sense, so I'm going to ditch it. We're just going to ditch. Final score, though, end of the game, 14-9. Army played well in their first outing. I think it's UVA's second or third outing. I can't even remember off the top of my head. UVA stats, Peyton Cormier had another really good game, three goals, two assists. One of his goals that it showed where it was a lefty rip from Schellenberger, you can see he gets the ball. You can see he has in mind that he's going to shoot, and his defender breaks down, and he perfectly wraps it off his defender's head and you know goalie screen right into the corner. Beautiful goal. Matt Moore in his return, three goals. Schellenberger, one and two. Laviano, two and one. Dox Aitken gets a goal in the game. Army was a little quiet. Brendan Nick turned two goals, three assists. Aiden Burns, three goals. Army's going to need other guys to do more. I Just like I said with High Point and... Nolting needing to get help from his teammates. Nick Turn is going to need a lot more help from his teammates. Aiden Bynes does look good, though, so that's good, but they need more guys to step up and, and put some points up for him on offense. Game points. Proof a great goalie can keep you in the game. Schupler, 10 saves over the first half that saw UVA take an astounding 31 shots, 18 of them on net, and Schupler stood on his head to keep Army in that game. 8-4 at the half, it could have been a lot worse. He struggled over the second half, credited with just a single save over the second half, but it wasn't as bad as that stat line looks because most of that was Army's defense settling down and greatly limiting the looks that UVA got. UVA won pretty much every stat in the game. Um... Most glaring stat that Army lost here was that Army was only 10 of 19 in the clearing game. And some of that might have been first game rust, but a lot of it was due to first game rust mixed with UVA's riding capabilities are just off the charts. UVA scraps, they go after ground balls, and if you're going to beat Virginia, you're going to have to do it between the boxes. You have to play tough between the boxes, you have to get after ground balls, and you have to take care of the ball in the clearing game. And it's going to be tough to do all of those things when you play a Virginia team, but that's going to be the key. I think in the end, Army's lack of depth showed, although they hung tough, and UVA was just a bit better at every position, and that's the margin in this game. The other game... And the final game I'm going to talk about here in today's episode, Loyola 8, Richmond 7. Loyola beats Richmond in overtime. It was an absolute snoozer of a game to the point that I didn't even know if I was going to want to talk about it. But by the fourth quarter, things kind of picked up and they scored more goals over the fourth quarter than they did just about over the rest of the game. First quarter, absolute snore. 2-1 to one Loyola by the end of that. Second quarter, Richmond tied things up just 15 seconds or so in off a man-up play. Beautiful feed down to Richie Connell on the backside for a lefty quick stick. 
And then as I was about to doze off and take a nap like this was a NASCAR game, Richmond puts up two quick goals. Nice wraparound from number four among them. Who's number four? Is that done? Uh, you can tell here as I was watching these games, I, I didn't finish my, my notes completely here. But I think number four might be done. And if I'm wrong, pop it in the comments so the dude gets some clout. But number four among them, and then it went back to a snooze fest for a while. You know, boring. We're going to take a nap again. Defensive half. The reality, both goalies played well in the first half. There weren't even uh, – there, there weren't a whole boatload of turn- – because I was sitting here thinking, there, man, this must – I watched it, but I was watching that on my tablet as, as I was watching the UVA game on, on the big screen. And what I was sitting here thinking was, man, when I look at these stats, it's going to be just turnover, turnover, turnover. And it wasn't. It was a lot of 80-second possessions, a couple of shot clock – violations, a lot of really good goalie saves. So it was really just a defensive battle for the most part. And then each team was just burning every possession right down to the end. And then goalies, when you burn a possession down and a goalie gets a save, you just wasted 80 seconds of the game, sometimes more than that if uh, on rebounds and shots that reset the shot clock. So it was slow and methodical, but it wasn't an absolute piece of trash is my point. Uh, second half, Richmond comes out, scored the first goal of the second half on a man-up goal. At that point, Richmond uh, Richmond goes on and they score four on it. They had at that point they had scored four unanswered against Loyola since Loyola had led the game at two to one, and now Richmond's sitting there with a five-two lead. Fourth quarter, this is where Loyola they finally start waking up. They play like crap offensively the entire game. They storm back late in the fourth. Aiden Olmstead scores to get within one. Kevin Lindley ends up sticking one to tie the game up, and then Kevin Lindley sticks that famous low-to-high quick stick to win the game in overtime. It was ended up being a hell of a game. By the end, I was glad I stuck with it and watched it because a lot of people probably turned it off or just fell asleep while they were watching it. Loyola stats, Kevin Lindley, three goals. Aiden Olmstead, one and two. Ryan McNulty, two cause turnovers and five GBs. Bailey Savio, I thought he was going to win a few more faceoffs than he did, but he goes 10 of 17. That's good enough when you win a game. And uh, Sam Schaefer looked really good in the net for Loyola. Ten saves versus seven goals against. Now, Richmond, they spread it out a little bit more, but neither team looked great offensively, so you didn't oh, you didn't see huge games out of anybody. Ryan Lanchberry, two helpers. Tyler Schultz, a goal and an assist. Luke Graham, and it's spelt weird, J-R-A-Y-U-M. So it's like Graham, two goals. Uh, Sam Mengis caused two turnovers, four ground balls. Jacob Griffin held his own, winning six of 12 Faceoffs versus Savio. So Loyola edged in the faceoffs over the day, but Jacob Griffin looked good in holding his own. And then Jack Rustbolt was really good in cage for Richmond. 12 saves, 8 goals against. He's going to be a key for them going down uh, down the stretch. Game points. This game was ugly. Fair number of turnovers, some goalie saves, some solid defense. It made for a boring game overall. Until the end, Loyola started clawing back late. Olmstead, that one-handed goal was sick. Lindley's game winner was sick. Lindley's game tying goal where he ducked underneath and stuck at lefty, that was sick. Both of these teams are very good. Both of these teams are going to play really good defense. They have solid keepers, so they have all of the pieces in place so that they can hang with the Blue Blood. So once again, we're going to see Loyola and Richmond both compete, both probably have a really good shot at making the tournament, and I expect them, each of them is going to pick up an upset here. I think Loyola has UVA. They got a shot at UVA this weekend, so hopefully that pans out for them. Great game, though. So now we're going to get into looking at the schedule, and I'm not going to do these big previews. I'm going to save doing the more in-depth previews for the games I'm interested in on Saturday mornings during the live stream. So if you want to see a more in-depth review of what's happening 
uh, on Saturday and Sunday's games. Tune into the live stream Saturday morning at 10 a.m. But we have a game today at noon. It's going to start. Uh, Mount St. Mary's is hosting Delaware. That actually should be a good game. Like I said, don't sleep on these mid these mid level teams. These guys play lacrosse and they play a lot of really good close games. So Delaware and Mount St. Mary's, both teams that have been good over the last couple of years and have threatened to get themselves into the tournament. Uh, the Bellarmine High Point game got canceled. We've got and and the, part of the reason I don't want to recap or preview some of these games now, the way things are going on a Wednesday, is because some of these games I may end up putting 20, 30 minutes in prepping for a, a preview, only to have that game get canceled and not played. So that's part of this. I'm just going to kind of go through and say, hey, these look like good matchups on Wednesday, and then come Saturday we'll talk about the ones that are really going to happen that we know are getting off. Robert Morris, Colgate, that's the first game on Saturday getting faced off. That should be good. Bryant at Stony Brook should be a good game, and I like Stony Brook in this one. Stony Brook was good last year. They bring everybody back. They rolled in their opener uh, last weekend, so I think Stony Brook's going to take it, not take it to Bryant, but I think it'll be a good game, but I think Stony Brook will edge them. UMBC St. Joseph's, I don't even remember who I picked for that one. Penn State at Rutgers. And Rutgers, they got kind of a new-look team here, a couple of transfers, So and Penn State. Sands Grant Amet. So that'll be interesting to see where Penn State stands in relationship to Rutgers, who looks to be a team that could threaten a little bit in the big this year. My upset alert of the week, because I think this would go down as an upset, Ohio State at Hopkins. Let me get a drink here. My mouth was starting to get dry. Uh, Ohio State at Hopkins. And I think Hopkins being the underdog, I like this is my upset alert. I think Hopkins at home, new head coach, frustrated from the way things finished last year. I think that they're they're going to be a much improved team this year overall. I think we might even see a little bit of overachieving. So that's my upset alert. I think Ohio State should be at least a clear favorite, even on the road, but it's both teams' first game, and I think Hopkins is going to pull this one out. Denver at Marquette. I like Denver in this one. Denver gets their bounce back win against Air Force and handled their business. Marquette's a solid team, though, so it should be a close game or a close enough game, but I still like Denver. Michigan at Maryland. I think Maryland's going to win by a margin. It's early, so you never know what will happen, but I, I do not think Michigan is is good enough at this stage to hang with Maryland in, in, you know, in both teams. First games, no scout, no nothing. So I think the athletes are going to win as long as they can play a clean enough game. Hofstra at Sacred Heart. Hofstra, you got Tierney. Rocking it for Hofstra. The kid put up eight goals and three assists, was the U.S. Lacrosse Player of the Week. So watch for him to put up another huge game. He's going to put up five, six, seven points a game uh, this season, mark my words, and he'll do it this weekend too. My hot take on this is is he's going to have an eight-plus point game. Eight-point game or more in this game against Sacred Heart. He's going to be huge. Providence at St. John's, they should beat each other up. Both of those teams are solid. We're going to skip over that one. Utah at Air Force. So we got some teams out west facing off. That one should be interesting. Duke at Towson. That's going to be a lock for Duke. Duke should probably put it on Towson, six to eight goal margin. Virginia at Loyola. That's going to be one of the biggest games of the weekend because Loyola proved they can hang defensively. They have everything you need to be able to play with these ACC um, uh, abs, just absolute armies. The ACC rosters are like armies of bad dudes. And Loyola has the tools necessary offensively to put some points up. I think they'll look better offensively. I think what you saw was two very good defensive teams just beating the hell out of each other and struggling through figuring it out. But I think that Loyola will absolutely hang with Virginia, possibly even give them a little bit of a run, maybe even a little bit of a scare. 
Mercer at Jacksonville. Jacksonville's going to roll that one. Mount St. Mary's at Navy. UMass Lowell at UMass. Nah, who cares about those ones? The Sunday games are the other big ones. Army at Syracuse on Sunday at noon. I'm going to get fat and sassy, drinking beer, eating bread, maybe having a little bit of dessert during that game. That's going to be a huge game. Another good game that I'll have to watch in concert with Syracuse is going to be Georgetown at Villanova. Expect those two teams to beat the crap out of each other. I like Georgetown in that one. North Carolina has yet another game against another good SoCon team in Richmond. So this will be a good way to say, hey, Richmond, high point, how do they match up against each other? We don't know because head-to-head matchups don't tell the whole story, but it'll be good a good opportunity for Richmond to prove to themselves that they can hang with the best again or still. And then we get Albany opening up against Lehigh on the road. So... Those are the games for the weekend. That is it. Make sure to come back and visit me 10 a.m. Saturday morning live stream. We're going to preview some of these games in a lot more depth. We're going to preview Virginia and Loyola in a lot more depth. We're going to preview Army at Syracuse in a lot more depth. Georgetown at Villanova in a lot more depth. We'll probably do those games in greater detail, and we'll talk about all of the Big Ten matchups a little bit more as well. So as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Be sure to like, subscribe if you haven't done that already. Just hit that like button like a moron. And then uh, if you're an audio listener, go to anchor.fm forward slash laxfactor, and you can give us audio messages that we'll play on the show. You ask, ask questions, chirp me, whatever. And uh, that's it, man, or man, ladies, people, whoever the hell you are, that is it. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. I will be back 10 a.m. Saturday morning live stream on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash forward slash lax factor and hoost is out. 